Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sports Time Machine here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Anna Kagaraikis, and each week we head down memory lane as I take you back in time and we remember some of the greatest moments in sports history. Leave your flux capacitor at home. All you need to do is subscribe to the show on iTunes or any of your other favorite directories like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Now on today's show, we won't be heading too far back in history, just one year to August 24th, 2019 the day Andrew Luck decided to retire from the NFL. We'll revisit that day with Troy Clarity, play-by-play announcer for the Pac-12 Network and ESPN Plus, and host of the TreeCast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, Troy has covered Stanford sports for nearly three decades and has followed Andrew Luck's career from the collegiate level through the pros. But what's crazy was how short-lived Luck's career ended up being in the end. He was the clear number one pick in the NFL draft and a top prospect that actually delivered right away and had the talent to back up the expectation. However, injuries cut his professional career short. While he met expectations in being NFL ready, at the end of the day, he didn't meet the expectation of being one of the greatest quarterbacks the league had ever seen. He was the clear number one pick in the NFL draft and a top prospect that actually delivered right away and had the talent that reached the bar. As heartbreaking as it was to see a player of such potential leave the game so soon, what's harder is that he didn't get to leave the game on his own terms. See, he was supposed to announce his retirement the following day on August 25th. During the Colts preseason game against the Bears, Luck had informed his team of his decision. ESPN got wind, reported the news, and word spread around Lucas Oil Stadium. Luck was standing with his teammates on the sidelines, and when the game ended, fans were heard booing the quarterback as he left the field. It was then that Andrew Luck decided to hold an impromptu press conference to make the announcement right after that preseason game. And now, let's hear from Andrew Luck himself. Here's sound from the past. Hello. It is certainly isn't how I uh, envision this or plan this. But I am going to retire. Uh, this is not an easy decision. Uh, honestly, it's the hardest decision of my life. But it is the right decision for me. For the last four years or so, I've been in this cycle of injury, pain, rehab. And it's been unceasing and relenting, unrelenting, both in season both in, and off season. Uh, and I felt stuck in it. And the only way... I see out uh, is, is to, to no longer play football. It's taken my joy of this game away. And this, sorry. I've been stuck in this process. I haven't been able to live the life I want to live. Taking the joy out of this game. And after 2016, where I played in pain and was unable to regularly practice, I made a vow to myself that I would not go down that path again. Come to the proverbial fork in the road. I made a vow to myself that if I ever did again, I would choose, choose me in a sense. It's very difficult 
I love this team. I love my teammates, the folks in our building, the fans, the game of football. And, and as part of this team, uh, as, a, as a member of this team, and because of how I feel, I know that I am unable to pour my heart and soul into this position, which would not only sell myself short, but the team in the end as well. As I told the guys earlier in the locker room, it's been the honor of a lifetime to represent the Horseshoe and the city of Indianapolis, both on and off the field. From the moment I arrived in Indianapolis, I felt like I could be myself, and I felt like I did not have to fill Peyton, one of the great, you know, of all times. I felt like I did not have to fill his shoes. I could be me, and for that, and I know that starts with the person up top, and for that, I'm very, very, very much appreciated. I think it's, I guess, fitting that I'm in my retirement press conference in an athletic shirt. I know I look pretty ratty up here after games, so sorry, Mom, I can't have a better appearance right now. And my teammates, I feel so conflicted because of my love for these men, uh, but, but, it, but it is clear to me that's what's best for this team is, is, is me, does not involve me. And I guess in a philosophical sense, I want to thank football for so many wonderful moments in my life and the pressure, circumstances, environment that pushed me to grow, learn, change in so many meaningful ways. It's the greatest team sport in the world. All that you've meant to the team and the city and, and the stunning of the decision. Any reaction to the fans? Did you hear the reaction walk off the field? Yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say I heard the reaction. Yeah, it hurt. I'll be honest, Trap. It hurt. Sound courtesy of the NFL. It's sad he didn't get to have that press conference he deserved. Unfortunately, that's the current state of the news cycle and social media. It's all about the race to get that big story first. And a big story it was, but there's even more to the story. And now, let's head back in time and chat with Troy Clarity. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. All right, now we're heading back in time with Troy Clarity. He's play-by-play announcer for the Pac-12 Network, ESPN+, and also the host of the TreeCast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Troy, I'm so excited to talk to you. We crossed paths for a little bit at 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, so I was really excited to be having you on the show today. So thank you, first off, for joining me. You bet. Awesome to uh, catch up and uh, looking forward to it. So let's talk about your background, who you are. You've covered Stanford for 27 seasons, but give the audience a little bit of background of who you are. Yeah, sure. I covered Stanford uh, for 27 years, so that makes me absolutely ancient. Uh, The uh, the head head coach at the time when I first started covering Stanford uh, as an undergrad and a freshman was Bill Walsh, first quarterback with Steve Stenstrom. And my actual uh, introduction to Stanford football um, was covering Bill Walsh's weekly press conferences at that time. And it just kind of just kind of grew from there, you know, working with uh, the Stanford Student Station at the time, uh, doing play-by-play for them. Uh, by the time I graduated, I'd done a Liberty Bowl, a Sun Bowl, and a College World Series, so it all certainly worked out in that respect. And, and, and still been lucky enough to be able to still uh, cover Stanford sports since then, um, hosting Stanford football pre- and post-game shows, um, doing daily updates uh, on the squad, even though I lived at the East Coast uh, for a good portion of that time when I was handling those duties. And currently with the Pac-12 Network, uh, six years under my belt of, uh, of not calling not just the Stanford sports, but up and down the uh, up and down the conference for the Pac-12 Network. So it, it's been a lot of fun, uh, seen a lot of great things, seen a lot of uh, things that have 
made me walk out of the building and go, wow, what, what, what the heck did I just see? <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a real pleasure to be able to follow uh, one of the preeminent uh, college sports programs in the country. I mean, you've seen legends, absolute legends in this game. And as somebody who grew up a 49er fan, when you talk about Bill Walsh, you're bringing in all these memories and just such great times <laughs> for the game. So excited to hear about all that. But let's talk about Andrew Luck because it was a year ago that Andrew Luck yep. shocked the world with his retirement from the NFL. First off, covering him in college, what was he like in college? Well, you know, the amazing thing about Andrew, and it's kind of a cliche to say this, is that, you know, he's the epitome of the student-athlete. And, and that, that gets thrown around so many different times in so many different ways, and you kind of become numb to it, and it just becomes background noise whenever people say things like that. But, you know, in, in this case, that was, that was legitimately, legitimately the truth. And it was, you know, there, there were so many things that went into what Andrew Luck was um, at Stanford, certainly on the field, right? I mean, he, he had the arm, uh, he had the brain, uh, he had the stats. Those things made him a quarterback. But you also might remember a game in his sophomore, at least in his, uh, his uh, registered sophomore year, uh, against USC. Stephon Taylor fumbles the ball, uh, USC picks it up, and uh, Sharice Wright, the USC defensive back, takes a couple steps. And then Andrew Luck just levels him with a hit that actually just rocked Stanford Stadium. Uh, that hit makes him a football player as well. There is such a tremendous distinction and a tremendous difference between the two. So not only was he a quarterback, he was also a football player, but also a student as well, taking classes uh, with, the, with a bent uh, towards architecture, which was kind of my own track when I was at Stanford as well. So that was kind of near and dear to my heart as well. And, and you, don't just, you don't just snooze through those classes. Ooh, Trust sure. me on that. <laughs> so, you know, you combine all of those things together and, you know, you, you have, and again, I'll, I'll say it, but th there's actually some gravitas behind this. Uh, the epitome of the college, uh, of the, the epitome of the student athlete and, and the guy who didn't really seek out the spotlight, right? I mean, the first time I ever interviewed him was after the 2009 spring game. And he was just kind of, you know, aw shucks kind of guy. You know, hey, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here. I just finished up my freshman year. I just hope it all works out. And he kind of kept that consistent demeanor throughout the remainder of his Stanford career and for the most part into his NFL career as well. So, you know, it, it was. Uh, I mean, obviously awesome to watch him play, and I'm sure we'll talk about that here um, as, as we go along. But but just kind of a kind of a cool, neat dude to cover too. Yeah, you know what's funny is when I was looking back at the press conference of his retirement, one of the moments that stood out to me was he apologized to his mom for showing up in a t-shirt to announce his retirement. I mean, that's just kind of who he was. His demeanor was something different. Was there also something that? You know, we know you hear these interesting stories about him. Was there something that might have shocked people that you knew about him that maybe the rest of the world didn't? You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about that, but I, I can tell you this. Uh, hearing that and being reminded of that, and I, I remember that soundbite now, now that you bring it up, mm -hmm. uh, it also speaks to a lot of, you know, his upbringing, you know, him apologizing to his mom uh, for, for showing up to his uh, press conference in a T-shirt, as you mentioned. And also don't forget his dad, who was a sports executive, you know, the team president of the Houston Dynamo and the MLS, uh, did things for NFL Europe, um, and, and has moved on, you know, uh, um, uh, athletic director at West Virginia, which is where, you know, he was just right down the road from me 
uh, when I was in Pittsburgh at, at the time, Oliver Luck. So he, he and I had, had, had a few conversations along the way, and one of the few folks that I know in sports that could casually throw in the word Luddite in conversation and actually know what context he used it and, 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 and what it meant. So, you know, you put those things together, and Andrew certainly was, a, was you know, different from the norm. Than, than, than you might expect in, in following in, in following student athletes and following college sports, but 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 certainly different in in all in all the right ways. You know, it's funny looking back on the production side of radio. He had some of the best sound bites, and that's one of the things I actually miss the most about him not playing right now in the NFL. But the day he actually announced his retirement, let's go back to that day. What were your initial thoughts when you heard the report that Andrew Luck was going to announce his retirement? Well, let me, let me take you even deeper uh, mm-hmm. and tell you exactly where I was when I heard the news. Uh, the wife and I were out at Sushi Land, which is a great spot, great sushi spot in, in, in San Lorenzo. You don't even know it's there, but when you do, it's fantastic. We were there, and my phone just started blowing up. And I'm like, well, what, 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 what's going on here? Hang on, let me take a look at this. Wait, wait, he did what? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? And then, you know, getting back home and, and getting more information and, and more, more of the reaction behind it. And, and, and my, my initial reaction to it was shock, but it wasn't necessarily surprise. Knowing the things that Andrew had been through throughout the course of his NFL career, knowing the things that he had gone through from a physical standpoint. I mean, just, you know, the, the, the kidney injury that had him, you know, that had him coughing up blood and, and all sorts of other things that, that are just horrible, terrible things to go through. But unfortunately, um, in, in some ways, part and parcel of, of what you have to go through uh, when you play football on, on the professional level and certainly uh, on, on the NFL level. Um, I, I was, I was shocked. Yeah, sure. But, but I wasn't, I wasn't surprised by it all. And I, I just kept coming back to a thought that I'd had even during his career, a thought that I was reminded of earlier this week when I was reminded that, hey, Andrew Luck retired one year ago this week. And certainly the thought that I had uh, right in the moment of, of his retirement. Football needs Andrew Luck a hell of a lot more than Andrew Luck needs football. Football needs more guys who have you know, the perspective um, and the output um, and, 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 the, and, and the worldview, the, the ability to, you know, to take, to put things in, in perspective and, and, and to apply, you know, different, uh, uh, different ways of looking at things to, to, to you know, to, to solving problems and things like that. Um, and the thing that, that, that Andrew seems to value and all those things seem to mesh out. I haven't heard any, you know, accounts to the contrary or anything like that, but, you know, football would be, be- it would be better served with more guys like Andrew Luck. Meanwhile, Andrew Luck certainly didn't need football, right? I mean, right. you mentioned he, he grew up, his dad was a sports executive. Money wasn't an issue. It never really was at any point, it seems, throughout any course of his, of, of his life. He didn't need certainly the physical toll that playing football brought on his body. And I'm sure the mental toll that, that it brought as well, having to go through the injuries, having to go through the rehab and the mental toll. I remember him talking about this during the yeah. tournament press conference as well. He didn't, he, he didn't necessarily need all the things that came with football. So, you know, shock, but not surprise. And then, hey, Andrew, you know, there, there's bigger things out there for you. Go out there, 
you do you and help make this world a better place. I think those were my two overriding emotions um, in the moment of, of, of Lux retirement. Yeah, just to think back on those pain, on the pain and the injuries he endured over the years. You mentioned the lacerated kidney, the abdominal tear, mm-hmm. the shoulder injury. You know, it's understandable why he ended up leaving. But one of the worst parts, I think, of that whole retirement was the backlash he actually received when the announcement was yeah. leaked. Fans learned during the game that their quarterback was going to retire, and some of them actually booed him when he was leaving the field. What did you think of that fan reaction when you first heard it? Was it, you know, uncalled for? Was it, did you understand some of the fans? Well, it's unfortunately part of the world that we live in right now. Um, and we're obviously seeing this manifest in, in, in a lot of a lot of different ways um, where people make things all about them and are place themselves in other people's shoes and where empathy is lacking. And, you know, maybe the gut visceral reaction is to be upset and to be unhappy when a guy whom you as a fan had invested so much in, granted, nowhere near as much as, as Andrew ha- had invested and as much as the Colts had invested. Uh, so, so I get it on, on a basic, super basic gut level. Did I think it was called for? No, not at all. This, by and large, seems to be where we, I mean, I don't need to tell you this. Look at Twitter right mm-hmm. now. You, know, you, can look at, you can look at social media right now and find all sorts of outrage out there, but, you know, still uncalled for. Right. And I'm sure, obviously, it doesn't, you know, represent the majority of the Colts fans. Of course, it was disappointing for them to hear that their quarterback, they invested so much, you know, the team had invested so much of their money into and their future into, but it was still a hard thing to hear and to kind of stomach at that time, but it was understandable why he decided to leave the game. But what's the domino effect for the NFL? Once he announces retirement, what impact has that actually had on the entire NFL one year later when we look into it? Well, I'm not sure that a whole lot has changed since his decision, although you know, maybe we, we've seen the wave of more and more NFL players taking their health into account, right? And, and their, future, you know, their future quality of life and instead of just throwing caution to the wind and and, 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 and putting absolutely everything on the field and, and has actually, you know, playing until they're literally dragged off the field. And then, you know, it's not too much longer in which they suffer some, start suffering some of the long-term effects that unfortunately this game can, can, can place on people. Um, you know, we, we've kind of seen that wave kind of building a little bit, you know, Chris Borland uh, from mm-hmm. the 49ers uh, comes to mind uh, a couple other, a couple other guys as well, but, but, but obviously when it's a high-profile quarterback, and, and look, Andrew Luck is as high-profile as it gets. I mean, number one pick in 2012, you know, supposed to be, you know, one of the young guns in the NFL, a franchise guy who was supposed to take you, you know, 15, 20 years into the future and probably have at least one or maybe even two multiple Super Bowl rings to go along with it by the very end of it all. Obviously that didn't happen. He only lasted six or seven years. Uh, before, you know, he finally said, decided, look, you know, I mean, I, you know, I may have all this money in the bank, but if I can't enjoy my quality of life after the game is done, what good is it? So, you know, I, and maybe you're seeing a little bit of that now with COVID-19 and with uh, a whole slew of players uh, deciding not to participate this year because of concerns. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly if, if Andrew's retirement necessarily, you know, paved the way for those guys. 
but certainly his is, if you want to put it in that category, the highest profile of the retirements of guys who are looking around and going, hey, wait a minute. I'm really doing that for this. I'm good. I'm cool. It's it's time for me to walk away and back away from it all. It is an interesting group to think about that, you know, luck fits in that group of players that left the game in their prime. You mentioned, you know, Chris Borland, who was a young star for the 49ers. Also Patrick Willis with the 49ers, Calvin Johnson. Right. I mean, you have right. so many players. Do you think, though, that if he had played five more years, he could have been a Hall of Famer? It's tough to say. Uh, because we don't know and we'll never know how his career trajectory would have changed after coming back from all of the injuries. I mean, you know, I could very easily be sitting here in this chair and saying, oh, he would have done like Peyton Manning and come back from big time injury and won Super Bowls and, and this and that and the other. And look, there are so many things that have to go right for you to have a Hall of Fame career, much less win a Super Bowl. So many things that have to fall into place. Um, it, 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 it's just tough for me to sit here and, and, and say that right now without being able to look at, you know, at least something after all of the injuries racked up, right? I mean, if he'd played the 2019 season, um, then, then I think we would have a clearer picture on, on, on what his, his path towards Canton might be. I don't think it's there right now. I mean, certainly was he one of the better ones in the, in, in, in the league during the time that he played? Sure. Was he good enough for long enough? I don't think so. Not, not, for, not, not for my liking anyway. He certainly wouldn't. He, he would not have my vote uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame at this point. Uh, I'll put it that way. So it, it, it's tough to tell, right? And it's not just luck either. You know, does he have the weapons around him? Does he have the offensive line to protect him? Because certainly that was a big issue mm-hmm. when he played. And does he have the defense to help put him in positions that he would need to have a Hall of Fame style career? So I, I, I think that's I think that's tough to tell. I'd, I'd love to sit here and say, oh yes, no question, Andrew Luck. If he had come back and played five more years, he'd be a lock and a shoe in for the Hall of Fame. Can't say that. I can't say that. I mean, it's just crazy to look back and think how he was that number one overall pick in the NFL draft. You heard, you know, the, the, the fame suck for luck where fans wanted the teams to lose their <laughs> remaining games to get that number one overall pick. And then you hear the shoulda, coulda, woulda if he had decided to go into the draft the year before. You know, potentially Cam Newton was the one who was drafted number one overall by the Panthers the year before. Right. But when you look back on him now, what he's gone through, watching him in college, you watched him in college, you covered him in college, you see his short NFL career, but he did have some great moments. But how will his legacy mm-hmm. be defined? Let me go back uh, and, and stick mostly with, with, with what I saw more of and, and had more of a closer handle, handle on uh, with, with his, his so-called Stanford legacy. And I kind of, you know, legacy is such an overword you, uh, such, such an overused word yeah. um, in, in some instances, but, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think back to, in particular, his freshman year. And even before that, mentioned seeing him at the 2009 spring game. And uh, it was, you know, Jim Harbaugh, of course, was running the show at the time. And I flew back from Connecticut. They held that game on a Monday night at Stanford Stadium. Harbaugh tried to make it as big of a deal as he possibly could. And Luck was the starting quarterback on one side. And to beat a Pritchard, who, of course, led Stanford to the big win against USC in 2007, which was a tangible, you know, 
the tangible reversing point, the tangible pivot point uh, for Stanford football and to set the stage for pretty much everything that we've seen from them over the past 12 plus years since then. So Vita Pritchard was starting on the other side. And Pritchard played a good game, played a B, B plus game that night. Andrew Luck played an A, A minus game. And we've been hearing rumors about what that kid was capable of. And as it turned out, the rumors were 100% true. Fast forward a few months to his freshman year, his redshirt freshman year, and you kind of keep waiting for him to have that learning curve game that it seems most freshmen have. It seems like all freshmen have the quarterback where, you know, the redshirt, the, the, the young quarterback makes a few bad early decisions early on that puts his team in a hole. And as a result, they can't quite dig out of it and they end up losing the game. Andrew didn't have that game. He did not have a single learning curve style game throughout the course of his redshirt freshman year. Now, there were some throws that he'd love to have back, uh, an interception, a rush pick against uh, Wake Forest uh, at Wake Forest. I remember being down there for that game. And, of course, the two ill-advised throws at the end of the 2009 big game against Cal that still make me very, very irritated 11 years later. He didn't have that learning curve game. And he built and he improved from there and really established himself you know, as a true 100% leader, leader of men on and off the field. And, uh, you know, it's funny, two two things immediately come to mind here uh, after saying all that. One, being in the press conference after Stanford lost the Fiesta Bowl uh, down down in Phoenix, and, you know, obviously a very short, very terse press conference, and walking out of of, of that room, and I walked out of that room behind Andrew, and all I could think to myself was, right this way to the Millionaires Club, <laughs> Mr. Luck. And then certainly it worked out for him there. And, and the second thing is, uh, keep in mind that the offensive coordinator position at Stanford football, to be the Pritchard, who holds that position, ironically enough, he's not just the offensive coordinator at Stanford for Stanford football. He is the Andrew Luck Director of Offense. And that, I think, tells you everything you need to know about what Andrew means to the Stanford football program, what he was able to contribute. Look, you know, Stanford has had no slouches. There are no slouches when it comes to quarterback tradition, right? I mean, Plunkett, Elway, uh, Huzak led guys to Rose Bowls, Kevin Hogan's led guys to Rose Bowls, Steve Stenstrom, Turk Turk Schoner, Steve Guy Benjamin. I can go on and on. So it, 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 it's not like, you know, Andrew Luck is head and shoulders above the rest of that class. That being said, that right there tells you what he still means to this program, the imprint that he left on the Stanford football program on a day-in and day-out basis and on and off the field. Who knows? Maybe he'll go back and help out with Stanford one day. I could see him making a return maybe one day uh, on the coaching side of it. Do you think you could see that in the future for him? I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, but only perhaps on like a volunteer basis or something like that, on a consultant basis or something like that. Look, coaching is high pressure, True. man, high pressure, especially in college, where if you lose to state you, all the boosters want your head. It's not quite that intense at yep. Stanford, but it's still there. The bar is still much higher at Stanford than it ever has been in the history of this program. So I'm, I'm sure that if he wants to come back, do a little Zoom session with the quarterbacks, <laughs> pop in on the offense every once in a while, I'm sure he'd be up for that. And then back to going off and reading a book and hitting a beat somewhere. So if, if he wants to contribute in that way, I would, I, I would think that would be the way that he would prefer to go.
gosh, just talking about it just makes me think how how much I missed watching him and how disappointed I am that we only had a short amount of time with Andrew Luck because he truly was somebody special to watch whenever he got on the field. Even when he was hurt all those years that he he was going through major injuries and still putting together some spectacular games. You know, now that he's had mm-hmm. a year to, year to heal, I'm going to ask this. I'm just going to ask this. Want to get your opinion on that. He probably feels better now. Do you think there's any chance there would be enough for him to come back and play the game or is it enough is enough he's done um my initial response to that is why would he yeah. <laughs> you know he's been through the ringer he knows what it's all about i'm sure he's enjoying life enjoying life much much more now than maybe he ever has been from a physical standpoint and as we touched on earlier from a mental standpoint as well I, I look, I'm not going to speak for him. I, you know, we haven't spoken personally together in years upon years upon years. I don't know what's going through his head at this exact moment. I would be extremely shocked if he did decide to put on the cleats and suit it up and try to, and try to reach that level one more time. So yeah, my, my, my initial response to that, and I hate to answer a question with the question, but why would he? <laughs> Makes complete sense. I get it. You never know, though. You never know if he feels like, <laughs> I got that know. urge. I mean, I just also think Andrew Luck said that he didn't feel like he had to fill Peyton Manning's shoes when uh, mm-hmm. when he joined the Colts. Did you ever feel like he still had that over his head, that he had to live up to Peyton Manning? Look, Peyton Manning casts, even to this day, such a tremendously huge shadow and in Indianapolis in particular. And I'd imagine that that, that that was relatively difficult, maybe in some respects, to live up to. However, I, I, I do also think that Andrew felt confident in his abilities that he would be able to lead the team in his own image, not necessarily make people forget about Peyton Manning because that would be impossible to do and that would be unfair um, to do as well, to wipe out whatever you know Peyton Manning ha- had accomplished um, in Indianapolis, that would just be completely unfair to do that, I would think. And I would think that, that Andrew would, would, would take that same tack. But I do think that he would be uh, feel confident enough to be able to say, hey, look, you know, this is how I do things. This is what I'd like to do. And, hey, if everything works well and if we all do the things that we need to do, hopefully we can achieve the same things uh, that, that Peyton was able to, to accomplish here. So. I, I'm not sure that 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 he would have looked at it as as a burden, maybe to be following in Peyton Manning's footsteps, but maybe you know as as a chance to perhaps build on on, on some of the things and many of the things that that Peyton had helped help that help that the franchise achieve previously. Well, look, both of them back to back, both very very likable quarterbacks, no matter what. Just no like doubt. you, Troy, are a very likable, Aww. likable host. So thank you so much for joining me. But before we go, I do want to get a little bit of a shout out on the TreeCast. What's coming up on the TreeCast? And give a little info on what your show's about. You got it. The TreeCast is the go-to podcast for uh, Stanford football fans. We've been doing the TreeCast overall since 2015. And uh, we latched on with the uh, Believe Podcast Network in February, had our first one on uh, March 9th. And then a couple of days later, everything went to heck. So uh, <laughs> we had to kind of, uh, kind of kind of widen the scope over the past few months, um, not just focusing on Stanford football, but on Stanford athletics, 
um, as a whole, and it's been terrific. Uh, we've had some fantastic guests along the way. Uh, Senator Cory Booker joined us a few months ago. Uh, David Shaw was on our show uh, last week. That was his second time uh, joining us for a one-on-one since we uh, came on with Believe um, back in the spring. Numerous other uh, Stanford football greats, Stanford basketball greats, uh, Stanford women's soccer greats as well. And uh, this week, we kind of took a look. I uh, just posted this uh, show uh, earlier uh, just a few hours ago before we uh, chatted here. But uh, this week's show focuses on Stanford NFL past, present, and future. Nice. And we do that with the help of two guys. One, uh, Tony Pauline, to, kept, to keep the Believe Synergy going. He hosts the Draft Analyst uh, podcast, and he's an NFL draft expert, kind of looking at a couple of uh, NFL draft prospects, specifically a couple of potential first-rounders for Stanford. What do they do now that the Pac-12 is potentially and hopefully looking at winter and spring? But we're also joined this week by Stanford football all-time great, and Pro Football Hall of Famer and NFL and CBS analyst James Lofton, who helps us break down Stanford football past and present, too. So we kind of take a look at all those three things on uh, this week's TreeCast. It's a lot of fun. Hope you get a chance to check it out. Oh, I would definitely be checking it out. And you can check it out again by going to Believe.com. Also, check it out on iTunes, Spotify, Luminary, all your favorite directories here for the Believe Podcast Network. Troy Clarity, thank you so much for joining me today. A fantastic interview. And hope you and your family stay happy and healthy during these crazy times. Likewise. Appreciate it. Stay healthy, stay sane, and let's do this again soon. You got it. A big thank you to Troy for joining me on the show. And make sure to check out the TreeCast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. So now I'd like to hear from you. How did Andrew Luck's retirement affect the NFL? How did the dominoes fall? Let me know by reaching out on Twitter at Anna Kagarakis, that's K-A-G-A-R-A-K-I-S, or by using the hashtag SportsTimeMachine. Some other interesting events happened on August 24th in history. In 1932, Amelia Earhart embarked on a historic trip, becoming the first woman to fly across the United States nonstop from Los Angeles to Newark, New Jersey. The trip took a record 19 hours and 5 minutes, setting a women's distance record of 2,447 miles. Pretty amazing accomplishment. Now, if only we could solve the mystery of her disappearance. But that's a story for another day. And check this out. On August 24, 1968, while celebrating his 21st birthday, the Who's drummer, Keith Moon, drove a Lincoln Continental into the pool of a Holiday Inn in Flint, Michigan. The band ended up getting a $50,000 bill for the damage they caused and ended up getting banned from every Holiday Inn for life. Well, that's an interesting way to close the show. Thank you again for listening to Sports Time Machine. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate Sports Time Machine on iTunes. We're available on all your other favorite directories as well, like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also follow the show at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Anna Kagarakis and on Instagram at Anna Kags. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Time flies when you're having fun. Thanks for heading down memory lane with me. I'm Anna Kagarakis, and we'll talk soon. Hello. I think it's, I guess, fitting that I'm in my retirement press conference in an athletic shirt. I know I look pretty ratty up here after games, so sorry, Mom. I can't have a better appearance right now.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.